If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. When I wake up, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. Hey, what's up, Oklahoma fans? Here we go. Another podcast, another week closer to the season starting. The story we're going to start out with right now, though, is on the recruiting front. Yes, I know there's a there's a crud ton of stuff going on with camp, with players reporting, with practices and scrimmages with Kale Gundy. But let's let's start with recruiting and then we'll we'll move our way forward. Oklahoma adds Jacoby Johnson to the 2023 class, a four-star athlete per rivals and 24-7 sports, listed at 6'3", 183 pounds. 24-7 has him as the number six athlete overall in the 2023 class, the number two overall prospect from the state of Oklahoma. He's sitting on 17 scholarship offers. If I mean, this is a kid from Mustang, Oklahoma. you got to have him. I mean, you got to – the priority always got to be to keep the home kids home. And that's what happened with Jacoby Johnson. And it really was thought that he was destined to the University of Oklahoma. There's there was there was talk about Stanford, there was talk about Oklahoma State, but really his final three came down to Alabama, Michigan, and the Sooners. And those are three important names to keep in mind for what we're going to talk about here in just a minute. Now, which side of the ball he is going to play on, that's yet to be seen. I've seen uh uh, very good arguments that he will be on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, lots of stuff out there on the uh, on the old good old interwebs, photos of him when Jeff Levy and so forth. And so there's a chance. I mean, there's there's a legitimate chance that uh, he could be on that side of the ball. There's also a, a, a good chance he's going to be on the defensive side of the ball, and that's where I see him. Again, 6'3", 183. That's good size for either either position, uh, talking about receiver or defensive back. But I really think he, he reminds me a lot of Billy Bowman in as much as he's just uber talented. And he could be a playmaker for Oklahoma on the offensive side of the ball. And he very much could be a playmaker for Oklahoma on the defensive side of the ball. And I think you get him on campus, you get him, uh, you get him, you know, into camp, be it be it he early enrollee, he comes to spring ball, or you get him there to the summer, and and you look and see where he lines up, and and these guys have a natural fit. I if I'm if you're wanting me to make a prediction, and no one really asked me to, but I'm going to throw this out there. I'm I'm putting him on the defensive side of the ball. That's my official prediction, and like most things that I predict, would not surprise me at all 
to be wrong and see him line up on Oklahoma uh, in the offensive position. But here's what's cool. Uh, Oklahoma moves, well, they're number seven. They solidify number seven in the 24-7 recruiting rankings. But <laughs> you talk about a razor-thin margin. That's where they're at. Oklahoma's number seven, LSU number six. And the points are this. LSU at number six, 274.56. Follow me here. 274.56. Oklahoma number seven, just behind LSU, 274.54. 274.54. Razor, razor thin there in the point differential between Oklahoma and LSU. And that makes everybody's attention towards turn towards August 26th when you've got four-star safety uh, Makari Vickers uh, making, making his announcement. And uh, Tallahassee, Florida native, um, the composite number six safety uh, per 24-7 sports in the 2023 class. The number nine pros- overall prospect from the state of Florida, he stands at 6'1", 180 pounds, 33 scholarship offers. And, um, well, he's coming down to the same three schools that we just talked about. I told you, remember those three schools? It looks like uh, of the 33 scholarship offers, Alabama, Michigan, and Oklahoma are his top three. Now, he's already been to all three of those campuses. He was at Oklahoma on June 3rd. A week later, he went to Michigan. And then a week later, he is in Tuscaloosa. Um, And, um, you know, I think... If you look at the uh, 24-7 sports rankings uh, as far as their um, their crystal balls go, he's got five predictions, uh, five crystal ball predictions. And all five of them, uh, they go back. The earliest one was on June 6th of this year. The most recent one was on August uh, August 4th. Uh, so just uh, 10 days ago when we're, rec- when we're recording this, all five crystal ball predictions are for Oklahoma. Now, again, those crystal ball predictions are not always 100% accurate. We've definitely seen um, seen players predicted to go to Oklahoma and end up elsewhere. Uh, kind of get that uh, kind of get that that late that late recruiting burn there, if you know what I mean. Uh, but that August 26 is the next time it looks like Oklahoma is going to make some noise in the recruiting rankings. Now, it could be before then. It could be a surprise pop-up here and there. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if that happens, but it looks like uh, August 26th is going to be the, the next date you want to mark on your calendar uh, for Oklahoma in recruiting news. So you've got good news on the recruiting front. That's a positive for Oklahoma. But then there's bad news when you talk about uh, the coaching staff in general. This is the biggest story of the week last week. And there's no way it can't be with Kale Gundy having to resign from this coaching staff. Uh, the guy who's been on the staff since 1999 was a, a storied, I'll, I'll use that phrase, a storied player for this program under Gary Gibbs. Um, legend, I mean, legacy for, for the University of Oklahoma. By the way, his brother, head coach at Oklahoma State. So he's a name out there that's not just a regional, local name. It, it is a national name. The Gundy name, because of what Kale did as a player, because of his tie-ins and what he is as a recruiter and the longevity he's had as a coach, he is a national name. And I don't want to get into the drum of, of all this. I really don't. I mean, I know everybody has their opinions. I don't want to get into what Kale Gundy's daughter is saying. I don't want to get into what some of the speculation that came out of 
some media sources about which player it is. By the way, if you're thinking like some of the media are that it was Drake Stoops that had the iPad, you're a hundred percent incorrect on that. Um, but, but again, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go down that road. I do want to say that um, I, I think you can say that Kel Gundy made a massive mistake. I think you can see that, and I think most logical, level-headed people agree with that. He made a massive mistake. But you can say that and also say that doesn't define who he is. I, I think Kel Gundy is going to be defined by a, a long, historic, tenured career as an assistant coach, as a guy who gave everything to this program as a player and as a coach. I think he's going to be defined by the young men that he helped shape and mold, whether they're in the NFL, whether they uh, they went into the business world or whatever. You, you look at the guys that he coached and what they're saying about him, to me, that speaks a lot more in terms of volume in, as opposed to what some – media guys when you, when you have something that is this sensitive culturally there are people who are going to jump on it for clickbait they're just going to jump on it and, and you saw some of that from the national media and I, I use national media in air quotes if this was a video you'd see that the air quotes you saw some of that people just trying to get clicks out of this trying to get people to talk about their article and that's where you get rumors that are coming in about who the player was and and so forth. And and honestly, that's why we didn't write anything for our website. That way there, there was nothing on it at Heartland Sports because I, I didn't want any part of that. But I do, I do say that I, I'm more tuned in to what players are saying about him than what some people who are away from the program who've never been to, even been to a football game much less know anything about Kel Gundy as a person. I, I'm more concerned and more involved and more invested in what they have to say. And, and from there, I think the legacy of Kel Gundy is pretty much entrenched. And I think in time, you're probably going to see some sort of welcoming back to him, not as a coach. I think his, his coaching days, particularly, I mean, at OU, I'm not saying he's done coaching, but I think at, at the University of Oklahoma, his his time has come to an end. And and, and I agree with that, by the way. I, I will I want to say that I, I agree that it was it, it was justified. It was a justified termination, whether that was him being told, look, man, we're gonna let you go out with some dignity and, and offer your resignation, or whether he just came up with it on his own and said, I, I need I need to step down, I need to step away. It was absolutely justified and and, and the reason I say that is be when I first heard this story, when, I, when I, it broke kind of in the middle of the night, my thought was, okay, that's maybe maybe suspend him for two games, three games, one game. I don't know. I mean, it's I mean, I can see you pick up an iPad, you're frustrated, you're in that moment, you're reading what's on the iPad, you say the word that you read, and you're like, oh dang, you right. And so at first, I'm thinking maybe removing him from the roster as a, an assistant coach is a, is a bit excessive. But then when Brent Venables clarified, it wasn't just one time. 
he he repeated the word multiple times. At that point, it needs to be done. At, at that point, I mean, you can't really go back and say, "Well, I accidentally said it five times, or however many times it was." I, I don't, I don't know how many times he said it, but you can't go back and say, "Well, oops, 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 and oops." Um, and so, I think at that point, absolutely, it, it's justified, it's warranted. Um, but again, it doesn't define who Kale Gundy is as a person and what his legacy is at the University of Oklahoma. Now, you immediately, a- after all of that, and the dust settles a little bit, you begin to think, wait wait a minute, what, what, about, what about recruiting? H- how is this going to impact recruiting? Oklahoma currently has two receivers on uh, commitments from receivers for 2023, and it, it appears as if everybody's good. It appears as if there's really nothing, nothing to worry about. The the big one, the Petaway kid, uh, even tweeted out. I mean, I, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I, I I'm where I want to be. Uh, you know, uh, Petaway has four star receiver, top forty prospect, the number six receiver in the twenty three class, the number five overall player from the state of Texas, sitting on twenty eight scholarship offers. Clearly, people want him, and would want to use this situation as a motivation to try to woo him away. And so I think it was really big uh, to see him come out and just say, you know what, look, I, I, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, don't worry about it. Don't stress over it. I, I'm committed. I am where I want to be. And, and I think for Oklahoma fans, that pretty much puts you where you want to be as far as at, at ease in terms of how this recruiting class is shaping up and what might have been uh, the impact or the sh- the fallout of Kale Gundy being removed from the coaching staff, but we're on to bigger and better things now with camp moving on, and, and, and you know the chemistry issue had to have been a concern. There's there's no way it couldn't have been a concern when you have something that's kind of charged like this culturally happening. Like ha- you know, up until that moment, all you had heard was about the great chemistry, about the great chemistry. You know, everything's talking about, everybody's talking about how I many this team, they're clicking, they're, there's a family atmosphere. Guys are loving being on the gridiron again. Guys are loving being in the team room. Guys are loving, you know, their, their position coaches and just what's happening. And then you have that event happen and you think, man, everything was going good. And then boom, he, here's the blow up. But, it doesn't look like that's happened. It doesn't. It looks like the chemistry is still there, and by all accounts, everything coming out of camp has been spectacular, including a couple of transfers that we got to get into. All right. Well, we're only two weeks into the month of August, but there are a couple of names that are coming out of camp. Everybody wants information. Everybody's anxious to see who's doing what. And when you have an influx of transfers going out and an influx of transfers coming in, uh, it's it's pretty easy to have guys uh, who weren't with the program the year before come in and, and maybe make an impact, make make a big difference in their. Fr- it's, it's it's basically free agency for college sports. We've we've teased about that and joked about that, but the truth is that's what it is. Uh, you know, you go out and you you have you have a guy that's that's gone to the NFL at the left tackle at left guard spot, and what you do, you go out and you get a guy to come in from Cal, and he fills that spot, competes with the other guys on your roster. And you, you see what happened. And there's two names that really have been kind of a little bit buzzing uh, coming out of camp. One is at a, uh, a very competitive spot in the defensive secondary. Um, another one, you're looking at that left, uh, that, that left guard spot that we just talked about. And that's, um, that's, 
McCabe McGuire. We'll, we'll start there. 28 starts at the University of California. Uh, not, a, not a big, big body guy, 6'4", 305. Even Bill Biedenboe said he needed to beef up, meet up a little bit. But he stood out in the spring. A guy who started, again, 28 games for Cal in, in three seasons. Um, Bill Biedenboe said, man, I, I, love how the, I love his work ethic. I, I love how he works. Um, you know, he kind of came in and because he's mature, because he's been around, uh, he, he's a Texas kid. So the concept of Oklahoma football, uh, that, that's not foreign to him. Um, and, and kind of, you know, Beatenbow said he's been a leader since day one, since he got here in the spring. I mean, and, and this is a kid, keep in mind, Oklahoma secured him before they played Oregon in the Alam, in the Alamo Bowl. So he, he was a early transfer announcement, anxious to get here and has done nothing but impress and, by all accounts, what he was in the spring, he's just building on that as summer workouts have, you know, went through the, the weight training and all that stuff with Schmitty, and now you're going into camp. And we've not released at Heartland Sports our our, our thoughts on the offensive line depth chart, but I, I will tell you this. Uh, I've got him lining up uh, at left guard, and I've got him as, as your starter at, at left guard. Um, Andrew Rame has talked about him. Bill Biedenboe has talked about him. I saw him personally in the spring, so I've got no problems having him as my starting left guard uh, there on my preseason depth chart. And again, that stuff will come out later on if you want to know who my starting five are on the offensive line. That stuff will be coming. Uh, we got defensive line coming up next. We've already posted um, defensive backs and linebackers. We'll do the defense first and then swap over to offense. But there, there, there's one. There's one of five. I've got I've got McKay Matwire at uh, at left guard. Um, another guy coming in is a little more competitive of a position because you've got some holdovers. Um, you know, uh, C.J. Colden transfer from Wyoming is is trying to to earn a spot. Uh, as a as a uh, cornerback, and you've got Woody Washington, who's most likely going to be a starter. You've got DJ Graham, who's most likely going to be a starter. You got a guy like Jaden Davis, who's going into a senior year, who's going to be a factor there. Can CJ Colden compete in in that that rotation, uh, being a two deep guy at one of the cornerback spots? That's the big question. Now he wasn't a uh, he wasn't a spring guy. He, he was a summer arrival, and so he's been playing catch-up. But, again, he played in 25 games at Wyoming. It's not like he's coming in with a lack of experience. Um, 115 career tackles, 16 pass deflections, two interceptions. Um, and, and T.D. Roof, uh, defensive coordinator for Oklahoma, actually said when, when talking about Colton that, hey, you can't coach experience. It is what it is. That's definitely something that's on his side uh, the question is, can he get caught up from those guys that were here on the in the spring? Those guys who did spring drills and did spring workouts, and um, can can he get that? And TD Roof is very clear to say, look, nobody's having anything given to them. Whatever whatever these guys get, they've earned it. And so when you're talking about reps, Colden's going to have to earn uh, what he gets. And again, it, it's a very competitive. 
position. You got you got three guys already that I mentioned: Woody Washington, DJ Graham, Jaden Davis. Three guys with a boatload of experience. Washington's a junior, Graham's a junior, uh, Jaden Davis is a senior, and those guys all have uh, starting experience. So where would you put CJ Colden? To me, again, I, we've already released our 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 depth chart predictions for the defensive backs. I've got him as DJ Graham's backup, and we'll see how, how camp goes on. I mean, it's, I'm recording this on August 14th, and so you, you still have 16, 17 days uh, till, you get to, um, till you get to the month of September, and then it is go time. Uh, but uh, that, that's where we are right there. And uh, two, uh, two transfers coming in. That are getting some some publicity and a little bit of love. We've got um, we've got your true or false statements coming up, and we'll close it out. All right, it's time for the final segment of the podcast. It is the people's segment of the Sooner Nation podcast, where you guys jump in here and participate with your true or false statements slash questions. Uh, they come to me directly from you through Twitter, through email, uh, dropping them on the website. So there's multiple ways you can participate in. I mean, we we really, really do uh, appreciate your participation here. You can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland, at Sports Heartland on Twitter. Uh, Heartland-sports.com is where you find us on the Internet, and each podcast has its own uh, post segment that you can drop comments there as well. Or again, uh, you know, old-fashioned, old-fashioned email works, right? Old-fashioned email uh, will be there for us. Um, and for you and for me, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. And, uh, that's how we connect to you and how you connect to us. So let's jump into this. First question comes from Timmy. Timmy says, true or false, Gavin Salchuk will have a Seth McGowan type freshman season. And I'm trying to hold back a little bit of chuckle here because Timmy, I hope you're talking about on the field production and not off the field problems, uh, which I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty confident you're talking about you're talking about Gavin Salchuk coming in and being a contributor uh, in the same way that uh, Seth McGowan was, uh, and and so I'm just going to run with that, okay? And I'm going to say this is false because I think there were there were you know 2020 you, you had Kennedy Brooks sitting out that season. I mean there were there were things that happened transfers and so forth where that uh, that running back crew was depleted to the point where it really was necessary for Gavin Salchuk or Gavin Salchuk for Seth McGowan to jump in there and be a part. And he was to his credit. He was an integral part of that 2020 big 12 championship team. But I mean, you look at what's happening right now on this uh, running back depth chart, you got two guys, maybe a third guy ahead of Gavin Salchuk right now, Eric Gray, Marcus Major, uh, those are your two stars, right? Uh, then you've got Javante Barnes and Gavin Salchuk battling out uh, to be uh, running back number three. And so I don't. I mean, look, I, I don't know. Um, I, I I think Gavin Salchuk has a lot of potential. I think uh, I think he's going to be a star before he leaves this program. And I think the same thing for Javante Barnes. And so I'm really interested to see between those two freshman running backs, who can really push to be that third change of pace guy. Uh, because I think clearly you're going into the season with Eric Gray and Marcus Major as your two guys. Um, and and I, I just look, I, 
I, I, I can't jump on board with Gavin Salchuk having a, the type of productivity that Seth McGowan provided in 2020. And so um, for those reasons, I'm going to say false and uh, and we'll move on from there. This comes from Chris. Uh, sure, false. Dylan Gabriel will be the best quarterback in the Big 12. And Chris, I, I assume you listen to the Sooner Nation podcast because you're participating uh, in the in the program. But you know I have said this uh, a, a, a few times, and so maybe this is your way of agreeing with me or asking me to expand on it. And I really feel like the last episode I hit on this quite a bit. Um, and I just, I really feel like uh, Dylan Gabriel, yes, is the best quarterback. He's the most seasoned quarterback going into the 2022 season that the Big 12 has to offer. And I kind of broke that down on the last edition of the podcast. And you, you look at guys like Spencer Sanders, and and again, I, I know there's bad blood because Bedlam and all that stuff. And so, there's a way this can be construed as me just being an Oklahoma homer and an Oklahoma State hater, and and maybe there's some validity to that. But when you look at quarterbacks in the Big 12, this is the year of the running back, in my opinion. There, there are one, maybe two quarterbacks, I think, that really have the capability to be those guys that are that are game changers, and I, I'm curious to see how JT Daniels um, does in Morgantown. I'm, I'm really he he's kind of a sleeper to me uh, because if everything finally clicks for Neil Brown and his crew, JT Daniels could be the missing piece of of the West Virginia puzzle uh, for what they Neil Brown's trying to build there. I I think I think I can back this up by by stats even. I think Oklahoma State wins a lot of football in spite of Spencer Sanders. I, I think when you look at what they did special teams-wise, when you look at what they did particularly defensively in 2021, Spencer Sanders was not the catalyst that propelled Oklahoma State to the Big 12 championship game. Now, Spencer Sanders is your preseason number one uh, guy in the Big 12 because when, when you look at at the quarterbacks across the Big 12, there aren't a lot of guys that are going to be going under center, if we can still use that, because most is, most quarterbacks line up in shotgun formation these days. But you, you get what I'm saying. I, I think there's, there's a lot of guys, there are a lot of guys that people aren't familiar with. And so you're looking at a JT Daniels who has a pedigree of success at Georgia was he's at his third university now, leaving USC to go to Georgia. Got bit by the injury bug in Georgia. Now ends up in Morgantown and has the potential to make West Virginia a dark horse contender in the conference. You've got Dylan Gabriel over eight thousand passing yards, uh, an incredible touchdown to interception ratio. I, I think it's just I think it's just a matter of time. I, I think Spencer Sanders is a ticking time bomb, and, and the athleticism. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bag on the athleticism as much as I'm gonna bag on the fumbles and the interceptions. And and you know, I mean you just know. You know the over under on every football game that, that Oklahoma State plays, the over under on turnovers for Spencer Sanders is one and a half. And a lot of times he's gonna I mean he's always gonna hit one if I feel like he's always good for one turnover, but he could get up to three turnovers. I mean, you always play that over under and and I would play it on the over with Spencer Sanders. And for that reason alone, 
I'm not big on Spencer Sanders starting the season as the big as the favorite to be the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year and the first team um, first team starting quarterback. I do believe, I do believe it'll be Dylan Gabriel, and I've said this multiple times. I'll say it one more time. The argument against Dylan Gabriel is you know, he played in the American, right? And so the level of competition isn't what the Big 12 has to offer. And I agree with that. I will not argue that point at all. I'll just reiterate that the skill set is there. And Dylan Gabriel has never been surrounded by the type of talent that he has right now at the University of Oklahoma. Um, you know, Dylan Gabriel's never had a Theo Weiss. He, he's never had guys like Andrew Rame and Anton Harrison, you know, backing him up or, or, you know, blocking for him. He's never had a Marcus Major or an Eric Gray. So there, there's a lot there that you can counter that American argument with playing in the American Conference that he has now that he didn't have. And talent always finds its way. I think Dylan Gabriel is an incredibly talented quarterback. And so, yes, I would mark him down at this moment right now as being the guy who's going to be the top quarterback in the Big 12. So we'll see how it all plays out. Um, This comes from, this next one is from Jacob. Jacob says, true or false, Marcus Major will be Oklahoma star running back in 2022. How about this, Jacob? How about true, he will be one of, two star running backs for the University of Oklahoma in 2022. I think you have to be excited about the Eric Gray-Marcus Major combo. Because of what Eric Gray can do in the passing game, I think he will have more total yards than any running back on Oklahoma's roster. And I do, going back to the Gavin Salchuk reference uh, earlier in this segment. I think Gavin Salchuk is more comparable to an Eric Gray uh, than a Marcus Morris, but I think total all-purpose yards, Eric Gray is going to be your guy. I think total rushing yards, Marcus Major is going to be your guy. And I think the two running back set um, system that that they're going to use with Jeff Levy's offense is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very explosive. And it would not surprise me to see Oklahoma have uh, like you know Marcus Major at eleven hundred yards, Eric Gray at eight hundred yards, but with Eric Gray also having five six hundred yards receiving uh, somewhere around maybe four hundred yards receiving. I, I mean I'm just saying six hundred yards is probably too much for a running back, but uh, I, I think they'll both eclipse a thousand total yards um, altogether. And so I, I think I, I do think Marcus Major total rushing yards, he's my guy to lead this team. But I think total yards out of the backfield, uh, all-purpose yards, I think Eric Gray is going to be your guy right there. But uh, So we'll be tr- well, I'll say true to this, Jacob, true to the fact that I think there will be two stars uh, at running back for Oklahoma this season, and Marcus Major will be one of those two guys. Um, Connor, Connor says this, the addition of Jerry Schmidt is the biggest factor in the recent coaching changes. Um Wow. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of X's and O's differences on the defense. I, I think what you're going to see, the difference between the schemes, particularly with what they do on, on the defensive line uh, in the middle, I, I, I think I, I think they're not going to ask their defensive tackles just to occupy space. Um, I, I think Brent Venables in 
and and I start to say Jeff, <laughs> Britt Venables and Ted Roof are going to do some things defensively that are going to be schematically way different than what we saw under Alex Grinch. I think the players are responding. Now, there could be some newness here because there was newness with Alex Grinch when he came in to replace Mike Stoops. But um, I do think overall that the players are responding better to this change between Roof and Venables. So I think that's going to be big. I think it's going to be a huge, huge factor. I think the difference with Jeff Levy from Lincoln Riley there will be smaller changes. They won't be as significant as what we see on the defensive side of the ball. I think they're. I think you're going to see Oklahoma pick up the pace offensively. Uh, you know, snapping the ball quicker. They're going to go back to that. Um, you know, that that kind of that mar- not the marathon, but that sprint offense where you try to catch guys and, and you don't allow defenses to have the opportunity to change out personnel. <clears throat> I think you're going to. That's going to be the biggest change offensively. Um, I, I I think. You know, you, you're you're replacing Lincoln Riley, who you, you take away the 2021 season was a proven commodity as an offensive coach with offensive schemes, and you're replacing him with another guy in Jeff Levy, who is a proven commodity as an offensive coach with offensive schemes, and and so I I, I don't know that there's the the change offensively X's and O's and schematically is going to be as big as the change defensively. Now, all that said. Strength and condition, it, it's what makes this team work. And and you look at um, you look at the offensive line for an example. I, I think this offensive line, you know, you're replacing two guys. But I, I think when you need, is is Wanya Morris? Is this the year he finally gets in there at right tackle and starts? Chris Murray, is he going to be bigger? Andrew Rame, is he going to be bigger? What about Anton Harrison? The, these guys have added added to their bodies. Even McCade Matwire, with the guy we talked about earlier in the podcast, Bill Biedenboe talked about how he's kind of at the same weight, but his body's different. There, there are things, I, I don't want to bag on Benny Wiley because I think enough people bag on him, and 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 rightfully so, I might add. I just don't want to be that guy who, who dogpiles, okay? But... There, there is a, a clear difference between what Benny Wiley is did at OU and what and what Jerry Schmidt is doing at OU. And when you look at the body transformation of these guys in that first year, I mean, really the spring to in the summer to now, uh, you you look at guys and you think, holy cow! And a, a good guy, a, a good illustration that is Jordan Mukes. There's there's a couple of photos out there of Jordan Mukes and his uh, from from Oklahoma's weigh-in event and that dude I mean he he's a safety he's a defensive back and he's jacked like a linebacker um, and so I I think clearly this team is going to get stronger under Jerry Schmidt and what Lincoln Riley wanted was them to be more athletic. And so what Benny Wiley does is he kind of, he wants guys to be flexible. He wants guys to be fast. He wants guys to, you know, to move, to explode. And, and, and what Oklahoma's doing now with Jerry Schmidt is they're, they're working to build them to be stronger, but still maintain that athleticism. And I, I think 
I think Benny Wiley and Lincoln Riley, they focus mostly on just making these guys athletic. And so you're you're going to see um, bigger, stronger guys. And sometimes you get bigger, you get stronger, and you get faster. And I think that's what, that's what Jerry Schmidt's working on. Whether that's the biggest factor in the coaching staff changes, I don't think I can jump on that with you, Connor. I, I think I think moving away from the Grinch defense into the Ted Roof and Brent Venables defense is probably going to be the biggest factor because I've stated that in previous podcasts. I, I think the defense is Oklahoma's key to success this year, and so I'm putting kind of got to put my money where my mouth is right there on that. Um, all right, here we go. Last one. This comes from JT. Um, he says, uh, LV Bunkley Shelton is the sleeper receiver that no one is talking about. Man, you're pulling out a uh, a good name there. Uh, Arizona State transfer uh, at wide receiver. I, I don't, I, I'm going to say, man, I feel like I've said false to a lot of these, but JT, I'm going to jump in here and say false again. And the reason why is because I don't really know yet, and I don't know that the coaches know yet, where does Bunkley Shelton fit in this offense at the receiver position is he an inside guy or an outside guy and here's what's important you look at a guy like jj hester who came in from missouri you know he's an inside guy you know that and so jj hester is going to share time with drake stoops right and so you know you look at bunkley shelton who's five five eleven ish 198 pounds is that outside material? Because if he's outside, then, man, he, he's going to be behind Theo Weiss. He's going to be behind Marvin Mims. Um, and so you've got a trio of receivers there that are all fresh. You got the, the freshman and, and Jaden Gibson. You got J.J. Hester. You got Bunkley Shelton. And I think those guys are going to get time. Um, but you're also throwing in a, a you know, they're going to be competing on that second level, second and third level of the depth chart with guys like Jalil Farouk, Trevon West, Brian Darby, guys who are ex- experienced at the receiver position. And so even though, I mean, what, what Buckley Shelton is, what, a registered sophomore? So I think there's time for him to to be a star. If you're, if you're asking me which of these new guys, which of the new blood is going to, is going to come in here and really be the receiver no one's talking about. To me, I got to put my money on J.J. Hester because I think he's going to, again, he's going to compete with Drake Stoops and Jalil Farouk. And I, I like those odds better than going up against a Theo Weiss or a Marvin Mims in terms of playing time uh, on the field. So, so again, I feel like maybe I was, maybe I was like negative on all of these. Uh, no, I, I agree on Dylan I agreed on Dylan Gabriel and Marcus Major, so there we have that going for us. Um, all right, so that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Sooner, the Sooner Nation podcast. Again, thanks so much for you guys uh, that tune in and listen. Um, it's just a hobby. It's a fun hobby, but it gives us something to talk about, kind of break from the from the mundane, the normal real-life world uh, to focus on our passions for the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, hit us up uh, on a follow, um, whether you get us on uh, Apple Podcast or, or Spotify or uh, iHeartRadio, wherever you're finding us. Thanks so much for doing that. Uh, give us a rating and a like, and you can always participate in the podcast by hitting us up with your true or false statements. Have a great week where, wherever it takes you. God bless and Boomer Sooner.
I'm gonna be the man who's working hard for you. 